Are you obsessed with Los Angeles? Head over heels in love with the City of Angels? Well, this is the podcast for you. At LifeX LA, we hack the best in arts, eats, and activities in Los Angeles. So join us and become an LA hacker. Baby, baby. Hey, what's up, LA Hackers? It's your host, Stefan. Welcome to episode number 44 of the Life Hacks LA podcast. Today, I've got an interview with an amazing certified bona fide LA hacker. His name is Paul Haddad, and he is the author of the book, 10,000 Steps a Day in LA, 57 Walking Adventures You Can Take in Los Angeles. Really amazing book, and Paul takes readers on a journey through the city, streets, beaches, mountains, rivers, reservoirs, and parks, all that we, LA has to offer when it comes to walking and it includes much of the Southland from Simi Valley to the South Bay and Pasadena the Pacific Palisades and we're going to talk about that in this interview and of course I want to make a note that we're going through this COVID-19 situation at, at the time of this recording but it will be over one day and you've got a lot to look forward to after it is including all these walks that Paul's going to share in this interview and of course Stay tuned for the end of the episode. I'll be sharing my own secret LA hack for walking in Los Angeles after the interview. So stay tuned for that. And I hope you enjoy this interview with Paul. All right, take care and I'll see you on the other side. Hey, what's going on LA hackers? Welcome to another episode. Today's guest, we have author Paul Haddad. How are you doing today, Paul? I'm doing great. How are you, Stefan? Oh, I'm really, really good considering our current circumstances. Um, so uh, you're the author of a book called 10,000 Steps a Day in L.A. and Walking Adventures in Los Angeles. And that's going to be our subject uh, of, the, of the episode today. But before we get into that, I wanted to ask you a little bit about yourself. Where are you from originally and how did you make your way to L.A.? Well, I suppose I'm one of those rare L.A. natives. Oh, <laughs> and wow. I, was, I was born in Hollywood. I grew up on the west side. And my hangout when I was a kid was the Beverly Hills area before it became this international mecca for retail and, and uh, Rodeo Drive became really famous. It was kind of the tail end of when it was still a small town for locals. I mean, it still had the cachet of Beverly Hills, of course, but I used to ride my bike into the little village with my brother and we'd go to the five and dime store and get like grilled cheese and milkshakes and hit up uh, B. Dalton bookstores or scan the Mad Magazine magazines and the food giant that was there and go to Thrifty and get some ice cream. And and then there was like a Wonder Bread factory in Beverly Hills. And you could smell baking bread all the time. So it was it was actually a really fun childhood. Oh, that's awesome. You know, I'm, I'm already, I can already tell I'm going to enjoy this conversation because it sounds like you've got deep history on Los <laughs> Angeles being from here, being born here. Um, so yeah, I feel like, uh, Beverly Hills has some of the best branding, you know, cause it's not the wealthiest neighborhood, even in Los Angeles, but throughout the world, it's just kind of known as, you know, that brand of Beverly Hills. Yeah. And that all really became even more, I guess, accentuated in the 1980s, right after the fall of the Shah in Iran. And one of my earliest memories of, um, I just sort of turmoil, like civic turmoil, for lack of a better word, there were actual riots in 1979 during the Iranian revolution. And then the Shah came to the United States. And he, I think 
he went to Beverly Hills to be with his sister. He was getting cancer treatment. This is right around the time when the Ayatollah took over the government of Iran. And then shortly thereafter, there was the, uh, of course, the hostages taken by Iran, the American hostages from the embassy there. And there were a lot of Iranians in Beverly Hills or who had moved here when they were trying to escape the Islamic takeover of, of that government in Iran. And so there were, there were factions on both sides who were uh, kind of, there was a skirmish that was breaking out in parts of Beverly Hills. And I remember that seeing like people yelling in front of a car and a guy being thrown on the hood of the car. Wow. And it was like, very traumatic. I didn't know what was going on. I was maybe 12, 13 years old. And then there was an influx of more money in the 80s um, from Iran, from other you know, places internationally. And then, of course, the economy started humming in the 80s under Reagan, and Beverly Hills became what it is today. So I kind of lived through both moments, the before and after of Beverly Hills. Wow, that's fascinating history. I feel like we got to have a whole, a whole other episode just on the background of Beverly Hills. That'd be amazing. Okay, so... Um, so you, like you said, you were born here, you grew up here. What are some of your personal favorite things in general about living in Los Angeles? You know, Los Angeles gets a bad rap from people who don't live here or people who don't know it well. So, so what are your favorite things and some of your favorite things in general? I think they're similar to yours, Stefan. I mean, having heard some of your you know, episodes, how I know you love the weather, uh, you know, the kind of diversity, the things, the things to do here. I think that's what draws a lot of people to Los Angeles. And one reason we all love it and I'm no different. Um, I love I love the coexistence of the urban and natural environments together. But just that, you know, Los Angeles is the only major city in the world that is bisected by a mountain range, by the Santa Monica Mountains. And what that enables us to do is to have access to nature right at our doorstep. I mean, sometimes we have to drive there, but many of us live near the hills. Um, and that allows us to kind of experience just the natural environment and or we drive through it on a daily basis when we're stuck on the 405 or the 101 you know we're driving through the mountains and that to me that coexistence is a key element of this city that separates it from others and then you combine our kind of mediterranean mild climate and then throw in there all the diversity all the kind of ethnic diversity and things to do on a cultural and um, urban level uh, culinary for sure. <laughs> and really it's, it's, you've got the ingredients for a really thriving, complex, uh, not perfect city, but to me, a great city. Yeah. It's fascinating what you said about the landscape. So I lived in Washington for a very long time in Seattle. And when you say hiking there, you're talking about on the weekend, you drive two hours to go to the mountains and go hiking, you know, you're not talking about going 15 minutes down the street. Yeah, and you know, look, New York City has Central Park, which is fantastic, but it's really hemmed in by all these buildings, and it's right in the middle of Manhattan. Um, Griffith Park is, I think, four times larger than Central Park, and you can certainly get in real hikes. You know, Central Park, you can get in some great walking, but the, all the and it's not just Griffith Park; it's it's the Santa Monica Mountains going all the way to Malibu. It's the uh, the Verdugo Mountains near Burbank. It's the Santa Susana Mountains near Santa Clarita. And then just beyond the San Gabriel Mountains. We have like so many different types of ranges and hiking trails you can do that that I actually try to incorporate into my walks because my walks generally encompass all of Los Angeles County. And those mountain ranges I just described are all within LA County. 
Yeah, it's, it's just a nonstop plethora of choices to go hiking. Now, have you ever lived somewhere cold yourself? Um, I have, no, I, I'm kind of spoiled <laughs> that way. I've, <laughs> I've, I've been to a lot of different countries. I did a lot of travel for my day job in TV. And so I've been to like 36 countries in the world. I've been to most of the other states, like 46 of them. So I've certainly experienced what the world has to offer uh, on a meteorological level, I guess. Yeah. And I always come back with a newfound appreciation for the weather here. Yeah, you were born in the right situation because, uh, you know, as someone who's lived in a lot of cold places now at this point in my life, I just know that I will never live in a cold place again. I think that's what draws a lot of people here and what makes them stay here, right? I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think you touched on, on it a little bit, but I wanted to ask you, like we, like we opened up with, you're the author of a book called um, 10,000 Steps a Day in LA, 52 Walking Adventures. I know you've written a couple other books, but what inspired you to write about this particular subject of walking adventures in Los Angeles? Well, uh, before I even jump into that, the new edition is 57 Walking Adventures. So okay. uh, you added a few, huh? <laughs> yeah, added. We added. My publisher and I decided to add six more. I know that the math doesn't add up, but we took away one, and that's what brought it to fifty-seven. And the one I had to take away, unfortunately, was Agora Hills because of the fires there. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, and it just decimated Paramount Ranch, and um, a couple other ranches nearby, the Strauss Ranch, uh, which were two of the iconic places on that particular walk. And you can't even go there now. So we removed that one and then added five more. And um, yeah, so what, what I wanted to do with this book was, the reason I wrote it is 10,000 Steps have become kind of a, a lifestyle choice for me. It was a way for me to get some exercise in as I was working and raising a family. And I, I was getting frustrated that I couldn't go to the gym. But what I could do is walk outside my house and walk the dog maybe get a walk-in during my lunch hour at work, and then maybe again at night. And then if you just add it all up, many of us are getting close to 10,000 steps just in our daily lives if we are not just behind a desk the entire time and, and if you make some time to walk. And so I wanted to merge that with the idea of exploring Los Angeles because I was one of those guys and continue to be growing up, uh, a lot of my friends or people who are from out of town will say, oh, I've got some, I've got some friends coming in. What's a really cool place in the city I could take them to that's not really tourist heavy? What's a, what's an out of the way restaurant? What's a hidden gem? And so I'm, I was kind of like in that mindset anyway. So I decided to merge that aspect of who I am with 10,000 steps, which many more people are doing now with Fitbits and iPhones and things like that. And it seemed like the perfect way to merge both those worlds. Yeah, it's a very cool concept because I've found this, and I'm sure you have as well, that no matter how much you drive around an area, if you get out of the car and walk, you'll discover things in Los Angeles that you never would have discovered otherwise. Totally. This writing the book and researching the book was as much an eye opener for me as I'm sure it is for many readers, because that's exactly what I discovered as well. I thought I had this, this city pretty well figured out. <laughs> And I quickly realized I didn't, which was a, a great feeling. I mean, there's 88 different communities just within Los Angeles itself, within the city. There's, you know, there's just pockets like Culver City and, and um, Glendale, Burbank. Um, so there's 88 cities within the city is what I mean to say. 
And then there's dozens of other communities, you know, Hermon or um, Valley Village or Atwater Village or the Byzantine Latino district or whatever. And those areas are really, you have to drive to many of them, but once you're there, you've really got to walk it, like you said, to experience what each community is like and to find those landmarks that have been around for decades or a restaurant that's family run that's been there for you know 50 60 years and people within that community know all about it i don't as an outsider and so that's fun to explore that just especially right now with things the way they are because of the coronavirus and how they may continue to be for some time um, many of these walks are routes that you can take, um, even if we're allowed to still walk around. And many of the urban routes in particular, it's almost like a staycation. You know, if we can't really travel somewhere, we can at least travel within LA County and explore different areas. And it feels like a road trip almost. Yeah, definitely. I first discovered that when I, I used to live by the LACMA. And I mm -hmm. thought I knew Miracle Mile inside and out because I would drive it every day. And then one Sunday they had uh, I forget what it's called, but you know when they shut down this uh, part of the city for the bicycles and walking only? Sure. Um, yeah, so it was the first time I experienced one of those, and I walked to Koreatown from the LACMA. Up, you know, I had driven that every day for over a year, and just in that that walk, I just discovered so many so many spots. You know, it was just like you said, a couple cool little restaurants I didn't know about, some historic buildings. And even little like monuments and statues and plaques as you walk the sidewalks, you realize just to per take the example of what you just said, the Wilshire area, the Miracle Mile, um, there's, there's a plaque that's kind of just east of the tar pits of the guy who basically founded the whole Miracle Mile. It's like, of course, it's on a traffic median, you know, how LA is that. <laughs> <laughs> and so my book kind of directs you to those off the beaten path quirky things like that, like plaques, and um, you really have to search them out, and you wonder who the hell is even noticing that. Um, another example, when I did do the, the new version of the book, the one that just came out, I added Silmar as a walk because I wanted to do a walk that went around the Cascades, that water that comes down at the end of the LA Aqueduct near where the 5 hits the 14 freeway as you're going north. And Anyway, so I went to the base of the Cascades, that water that comes rushing down that you can see from the freeway, and I looked through the chain link fence, and there's two plaques there. I don't know who they think is going to look at that, but it's, there's no shoulder on the road. There's nowhere to really park, yet there they are through this chain link fence, fence for whoever wants to discover them. So those are the kind of things I point out that are there, and you have to just dig a little deeper, and you will find history hiding in plain sight. Yeah, talk about a real hidden gem, right? <laughs> you really have to, it's like a treasure hunt. Yeah, it's like finding Easter eggs. Yeah, maybe you should do that in a book. That'd be pretty cool. Like you, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you have that in your book already, but like, uh, I don't know, some gamify it somehow where people have to go. Find well, it's, it seems like it would be a good, someone who's far more adept than, than I am at doing this. But like, if you wanted to create a virtual scavenger hunt, oh man, I mean, you could really have fun with that in this city finding yeah. things like that. I'm sure your book would be a good resource for that. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, um, I, you know, I know it's dependent on height, but walking 10,000 steps is approximately five miles, right? Yes. Okay. So within five miles, you can see a lot in Los Angeles, depending on where you're walking. And, you know, you, you had mentioned that you've broken down the different walks in Los Angeles. So I wanted to ask you, 
and we we were just talking about a little bit about these um these landmarks and some of them are hidden or whatever what is an area that you would recommend that you could walk that five miles where you could see a lot of iconic well-known landmarks um I think that's a great question. I, and for the answer, I would point to kind of the older, more dense areas of the city. So, you know, that would that would mean like Chinatown, Alvera Street and Little Tokyo, which comprise one chapter in my book, one of the routes, mm-hmm. because you're talking about three historic areas that are pretty close to one another that can all be reached within 10,000 steps. And just within that triangle, you've got so much history you essentially have the cradle of Los Angeles there. You've got the LA Plaza Park from 1820, which is still there. The the oldest church, the Our Lady Queen of Angels Catholic Church, um, the oldest residence. You've got the birthplace of LA, uh, Alvera Street, and mm. that whole area. And then, of course, um, downtown itself, just, you know, just on the other side of the freeway, you've got the old historic uh, movie district on Broadway, uh, of course, the Bradbury Building, Angels Flight, Central, Grand Central Market, all those kind of iconic landmarks you expect in LA and a few other kind of off the beaten path uh, things that you wouldn't expect, like the the pedways, the, the elevated pedestrian walkways, which I'm fascinated by, because there was this movement in the 70s to kind of elevate the sidewalk off the, the kind of gritty streets as they were then, mm-hmm. even more than now. And these pedways are all over the place, especially along Temple near the Bonaventure Hotel and kind of winding their way through these different city blocks. And no one really uses them. They're kind of, I don't know, I guess they're used by some business people, but they're generally empty. And it was a project that never really came to fruition because they yeah, wanted I'm, to I'm not even sure I know what you mean. So are you saying that this is like an elevated, like a bridge, or are you talking about just slightly elevated above the normal sidewalk? There's, they're elevated above the normal sidewalk and you can access them. So in my book uh, on the downtown chapter, I show you how to access them. There are these uh, spiral staircases that will go up to, it looks like a pedestrian bridge you might find going over a freeway, for example. Mm -hmm. And, and then that gets you going on this whole maze of pedestrian walkways. They call them pedways. And they were largely built by this guy, Calvin Hamilton, in the 70s. He was a city engineer. And he thought that these walkways, these elevated walkways, could replace sidewalks, which ultimately would, he didn't think that sidewalks and cars should be coexisting because it's too dangerous for pedestrians. (laughs) So uh, essentially, they wind their way through a few blocks, mostly, like I said, around the Bonaventure Hotel, one of them even goes, it accesses the, the upper deck of the hotel and crosses one of the streets. I think it's Flower. and it goes to the other side. And um, anyway, so that's, they're kind of like just these dinosaurs that are people have forgotten about. And the ultimate plan was to convert the pedestrian walkways into people movers, which is what mm-hmm. Disneyland used to have, a very slow-moving cart that... Um, <laughs> I guess if you're too lazy to walk, they thought this was a good way to put these people in these capsules and, and you can move around in these people movers, much like they're going to have eventually at LAX connecting with the uh, rental car uh, hub. And um, yeah, that to me is, is one of the quirky parts of that walk in addition to the historic landmarks. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. That's, that's worth buying the book for right there because I hadn't really heard of that or, or considered that before. Um, the other note I want to make is I get a lot of people who visit from visit me from out of town 
And, you know, they're like, okay, take me around. And they want me to take them from like Malibu to Burbank or Hollywood or something like that, you know, something not feasible. Right. Mm -hmm. So I've broken it down into little areas. Like I'll take them to an area and I could not agree with you more. Um, the union station, Chinatown, little Tokyo, um, Alvera street. And, and then you've got Philippe's the, the, the yeah. French sandwich. Now they've got that huge park over there. Um, the name of it but it's it's right there by chinatown so yeah you can do all yep. that in a couple hours without having to get back in the car well you hit on it with philippe's i mean to me a big reason to do these walks is also to find these great restaurants philippe's is one of my favorite and there's so many great restaurants just on that triangular route that i described you know whether it's mexican chinese there's a great barbecue place there um you know there's a there's a poor boy sandwich place, um, New Orleans style next to Philippe's. Uh, you got little Tokyo. And that is one of the things we are blessed with and spoiled by in Los Angeles. And I try to include different places to eat at or picnic spots, even if you want to pack a lunch on all of these walks. Yeah, it's insane. The amount of food that we food options we have, especially ethnic food. Yeah. Okay. So, so you gave us a great example of how to see an area where we can see a bunch of iconic landmarks in, in one, in one walk. What about like under the radar, cool walking areas, for example, somewhere you can go where you'll see a couple strange and weird things that Los Angeles is known for. Uh, God, there's, there's a few, I, I would say my favorite in terms of just weirdness is uh, the Chatsworth walk. And it's about as far from the city center as we go in my book. It's, it's borderline with, um, the, uh, with the Ventura, Ventura County line. And you're almost kind of in Simi Valley there. So it's right on the edge of Chatsworth. And the heading for that chapter is uh, rockets, shootouts, and burnouts. <laughs> and, and the reason I call it that is it's close to Rocketdyne, which is this now defunct nuclear um, spacecraft factory where they would also just build regular, you know, engines and hy uh, hydrogen uh, fuel engines and all the kind of, I think, boosters for the Apollo missions to the moon were built there. Wow. So it's a very historic place. And it also was kind of like ground central during the Cold War. And uh, there was a lot of surveillance from there. There were a lot of the kind of Nike missile stations um, were, were kind of built there and then moved on to different parts of Los Angeles. Uh, so it had a very uh, significant role in the Cold War. And there was a little community that built up around it. And it's a really quaint uh, neighborhood. It's, I, I don't know what the exact neighborhood's called. I, I know it's on Clear Springs Road. And it's these old houses with a lot of mature trees. It, it doesn't feel like any part of Chatsworth or the Valley that you would think of. It's more like, uh, I don't know, it just feels like an Eastern town. It's like this little enclave. So some of the walk is through that. And then as far as like the other aspect of that walk, there's a, an old stunt ranch there, like a Western town that was called Corriganville. It was very popular in the 40s and 50s. It was, I think, the most popular attraction in Southern California before Disneyland opened. Wow. And you can walk amongst the old lake that they used to use for Westerns there. It's empty now. And that was called Robin Hood Lake. And the cool thing about that lake is there are, there's a little, almost like when you're in a movie theater and you see the opening for the projector, you know, like for the screen, mm -hmm. uh, there's little windows within these walls or the, the, um, 
the basin for the lake, there's windows where they would put the cameras to shoot underwater sequences. And then there's other, there's like part of an old Western town that's still there. And then Bob Hope bought it in the 60s, of course, and turned much of it into a subdivision <laughs> um, <laughs> called Hope, uh, it was called Hope Town. Um, so anyway, but that little community of what used to be Corriganville is still there. It was named after a guy named Crash Corrigan. He was a big Western star. And then the final element of that walk that I like is just, it was, that entire area is where there are a lot of religious sects and communes and, um, you know, cults and of course the Manson family. Um, now my walk doesn't go right to Spawn Ranch, but it's very close. It's kind of like an extra few steps if you want to take it. But that's what that area is most known for is Spawn Ranch and the Mansons, Manson's wow. family. That's so yeah. fascinating. And that's what I love about Los Angeles because I've heard a lot about a, a lot about weird things and unique things like that. But I actually haven't heard about that specific area. It's just like you never run out of interesting stuff like this. Yeah, and you've probably seen it when, you, when you're on the 118 freeway and you see all those rocks, those boulders that are kind of red, red boulders all around. Um, that's, that's kind of the general area we're talking about as you're going west from the 405 on the Simi Valley Freeway. Oh, okay. Yeah, I have driven by it, but I've never gotten out and walked around. That, that partial ranch that still exists, so can you walk in there or you can just walk near it? Yes, you totally can. And um, I mean, unless the fires have closed some of it, I have not been there. I don't think the fire was around that area. So I think it's, you can still walk in there because it's, it's a hiking trail now. It's, and um, everyone's allowed to go in there and you can, you can check out the kind of the main drag where there used to be a Western main street that was used in different movies representing Tombstone or Dodge City. And um, so, yeah, you can um, check out the old lake. And then there's a really great old restaurant there if it, it survives this shutdown. Um, called the Old Susanna Cafe, which is very close to this park. Wow, that's so that's so amazing. Okay, so let's get into another subject about um, walking in Los Angeles. We're kind of known for our hikes, and we talked about it earlier, especially like urban hikes that are easy to get to, like Runyon Canyon and um, the Baldwin Hills Overlook, Rancho Palos Verdes. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to ask you about taking a walk where you can still access nature but not necessarily hike for example like areas that are green or the best parks or or you know things things along that line where you you don't have to hike somewhere you can just do a flat walk but still be within within nature well i just i have to say you've hit on a big reason i like to do ten thousand steps is it it basically is an excuse not to have to go up hills <laughs> uh, <laughs> You know, because I feel if I'm putting in 10,000 steps, I want it to be as flat as possible. And I, that, was, that was kind of where I was coming from when I wrote these, when I kind of dreamed up these routes. But, you know, of course, there are some hills and um, nothing that's too strenuous. There's maybe one or two that are steeper than, you know, I, that are the exception. But generally, they're kind of more gradual slopes. And uh, there are some that are mostly flat. And to I think your question was, what are some of the flatter ones? We could still well, see greenery. Yeah. So like ones where you can, um, you're, you're not just walking on the sidewalk. Like we were talking about Miracle Mile, Mile earlier. That's a good walk, but it's really urban. So a yeah. place where you don't necessarily need to hike, but you still feel like you're in nature because. Yeah, we can walk in nature. Sure. Yeah. Um, my favorite, just because I live more on the east side, is Lake Hollywood. 
Oh, and yeah. in my book, I combine it with going up to this overlook that is right kind of below the Hollywood sign. There's that unofficial dog park that's there that's near Madonna's old house and Bugsy Siegel's old house. Um, you've got to walk a few hundred steps to get to that little plateau. If you choose not to, you can just go around the lake, which is 3.2 miles, and then you can just go a little farther and double back. Um, I've probably done hundreds of trips around Lake Hollywood living in the area, that's probably my go-to, just to be amongst nature and a really peaceful setting and going over that beautiful Mulholland Dam, that re-energizes me just as much as I can get there as possible. But um, as far as other places in the city, the valley has surprisingly a high number of them um, because you know, you're talking, the west side's very dense, a lot of traffic. Really, if you want to be amongst nature, you've gotta to go to Malibu um, or the beach but even then it's going to be crowded but if just within the valley you do have sepulveda recreation area which is near sepulveda dam and you can kind of really get lost in all the foliage and and the lake that is there it's near balboa lake and there's a pathway that takes you along um just that whole recreational area and it's it's very it's a very serene place there's a lot of egrets and and water birds there um, there's two lakes actually that you go to and it's mostly on dirt and that's a great little escape just within the valley right in between kind of Sherman Oaks and Encino and, um, and of course in Pasadena you've got the Arroyo Seco so I have a couple hikes that one of them takes you to the lower section of the Arroyo Seco from Pasadena to South Pass and then the upper section takes you from kind of like the Rose Bowl area up to the 210 freeway to this old dam called Devil's Gate Dam, which is really haunting and, and in a good way. <laughs> yeah. um, and then Hanson Dam in the valley is another walk. That's that's kind of the northeastern section of the valley that is um, a great walk. You can really get lost within the whole basin of Hanson Dam. Uh, I'm not talking about like the recreational area because there's a pool there and there's I think you could even fish at the little lake there. But really more going east of that, there's sections where there's like a stream and just a lot of nature trails where you can walk for 10 minutes and not see anybody. Um, so those would be some that I would recommend. Those are some amazing suggestions. I just want to put some input on the Lake Hollywood one because I get a question a lot about taking pictures with the Hollywood sign. Mm -hmm. I would say that park you were talking about, the unofficial dog park, Yes, um, that's probably one of the best places you can, closest places you can take a good picture with the Hollywood sign without actually having to hike. I mean, you can drive right up there, park yep. in that park. And yep. yeah, it's a nice big green grass park. And then the Hollywood signs directly behind you. I think it's the perfect place. It's the perfect spot, perfect selfie spot, which a lot of people have discovered when you drive by there now. And best of all, you don't annoy the neighbors on all those congested streets that are closer to the sign. Yeah. And it's so true what you said about the dogs, because I used to take my dog there a long time ago and no one puts their dog on a leash in that place. I know. They should just make it an official dog park. I don't know why they never have. Maybe I didn't even realize it wasn't until like the third or fourth time I went there. Someone told me. I was like, really? Everyone here has a dog off the leash. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. So my next question for you is LA, of course, is famous for car culture. And here we are talking about walking, right? Um, now, I mean, we've been talking about this the whole interview. So for those who we haven't convinced yet, people that are just like, LA is a place you gotta be in a car. You can't survive walking in Los Angeles. It's built for cars. 
what can we do? What further can we do to help dispel this myth? What dispel this myth? What is it about LA that makes it a great place to walk and you can get out of the car and really enjoy it? Well, I think the myth evolved from the fact, first of all, that we are a freeway city. We are a car culture and there's no escaping that. It is partly what defines Los Angeles. And our topography, our geography is so spread out that you need roads connecting one community to the next. We're not a dense city. People who find their way here tend to thrive within the community that they settle in. And they realize that there's a farmer's market and restaurants and neighbors and businesses that they could patronize just within their community. And for me, that's the Los Feliz area. And I can, you know, I could spend a whole weekend here and not have to leave Los Feliz because that's my home. And so we're all kind of like thrown together, hopefully finding our little niche within the city. So, uh, but to connect from one to the next, we obviously have to either, you know, take a car or public transit, you know, as more people do now or Uber there. And so I, I think there's no escaping. That's just part of the DNA of, of this city. And, and we have to just own that. But as you're pointing out, that doesn't need to be exclusive from being a great city to walk in. Um, now, there are many criticisms, rightly so, that uh, the city's leaders have endured in terms of making this more walkable and certainly a better place for bicyclists, because I fear taking my life in my hands most of the time if I take my bike out. I don't want to be on the streets, which are you know, mostly for cars. And, and if there is a road diet, then you get the drivers kind of rebelling over the road diet, where it's just one lane instead of two. Yeah. Um, but all that aside, um, the the one the reason to get the long way to, to your question the climate is really conducive to walking here you can't walk in the winter in chicago necessarily or even a place in the south like florida or new orleans in august i'm not walking in the middle of the day in those cities it's too muggy so the climate lends itself to being outdoors here and also um there's such diversity from one neighborhood to the next and the you know, having nature nearby. Also, those are the things that transplants, I think, come to realize as they settle here is there's a lot more. If you've got to, if you seek it out, there's a lot of elements about the city that make it very walkable. And walkability indexes are now the, something you see on Zillow or on real estate sites because they do matter to people. People want to feel connected to their communities. And so it's encouraging that walkability has become kind of a buzzword now in LA because people realize it is something that the city offers. Um, and, you know, I, it's so funny that you raise this question because a week ago or so in, in New York Times Magazine, the writer of this one article interviewed Werner Herzog, the great German filmmaker. Mm. And the writer said, you know, the New York Times is always spinning Los Angeles like this exotic, weird place that the world is just discovering, especially their own writers. Um, <laughs> you know, about like, you know, they have this thing called a street taco, you know, like as if they just land on this other planet. And the, the writer of this article said to Herzog, he was shocked that someone like he, Herzog, would live in a city where you can't get out and walk and explore. Those were, that was his exact line. Uh, because right. it goes against Herzog's nature of exploration and kind of seeking out things. And I, I never write letters to the editor, but I was compelled at that point. <laughs> I said, how much longer are we going to trot out this cliche 
that you can't walk in Los Angeles. And, and I, can't, I went on to defend it. So uh, yeah, we're still working at it. But one of these days, people accept that this is a good place to walk in. Yeah, definitely. I think it's so true what you said about what neighborhoods you live in and the diversity you get. For example, if you live by the beach cities, then you're probably going to be taking a walk by the beach. And if you live by, uh, you know, you live in Hollywood, you might go to Runyon or, or one of these, um, these hikes that are nearby. So it has a lot of diversity and pretty much something for anyone who wants, who's into taking walks. I agree. And you also hit on the fact that you have to choose your kind of your reality, what works for you, you know, no matter what station of life you're in, there's a place in Los Angeles for you. So if I were a single person, maybe kind of artistically inclined, because I ended up, you know, working in TV and writing, and I like being around creative people and, and cool bars and restaurants, but maybe I didn't have a car and I needed to rely on public access, public transit and that kind of thing, I would settle in NoHo. NoHo is amazing, yeah. man. You know, North Hollywood, when I was growing up, wasn't anything like it is now. And but now, you know, it's very close to the red line. It's close to freeways. It's um, it's got like a, a buzzing uh, kind of community with a lot of, um, you know, there's there's the Lemley theaters there. There's a lot of playhouses. There's great places to eat. There's cheap places to eat. Uh, there's bars. You can feel like you've got a community that mirrors who you are. And so that's just one example of like. You know, and it's also one of the more affordable places in the city, but like you could feel like you can walk safely there at night. And you also have like a huge park to the left of it that, you know, runs along the 170 freeway there. It's like that green belt that goes like, you know, four blocks. So it kind of offers everything. And that's what I would suggest to someone who's just moving here and, um, you know, is looking for a place or maybe you want more culture, more diversity, a more ethnic neighborhood, then there's another place for you. Um, so that's, I think the right way to look at it. Yeah, I couldn't agree with, I couldn't agree with you more. I say it all the time on this podcast is that you have to move here for like a year in a, in a place like NoHo or Miracle Mile or somewhere like that, somewhere central yeah. and walkable. And then you go out and explore these other neighborhoods and then you find the one that fits your personality for you. It's Los Feliz, yep. right? Yes, exactly. Okay. For me, it's, uh, the beach cities. I love the beach cities, but it took me a while to figure that out. So that's cool. Yeah. Okay, Paul, I'm going to go to know thyself, right? Isn't that what they say? Yeah, exactly. And Los Angeles is so diverse that you really can get a totally different experience depending on what area you're in. And different shades of yourself to find within it. Definitely. And, you know, and some of that might be on stages of your life as well, you know? Yeah. Like I have a son now, but before that, I mean, I was, I love living in the, you know, by farmer's market at the Grove, near the Grove and, you know, but once I got to a different stage of my life, I was like, ah, you know, I like something a little more relaxed. And then the beach cities were a better fit. Right. All right, Paul. So I want to go in a different direction than walking. And it's, you know, it's obvious from this interview, it's obvious from the books you write that you love Los Angeles. You're born in Los Angeles. So I want to ask you if you could describe for us your perfect day in LA. Imagine you don't have to, you don't have to work that day. You don't have anything pressing. What would you do in that perfect day from getting up to going to bed? Well, in, in um, a perfect world where there was uh, where there was not this killer virus going around. Oh, and sorry, post post COVID, I meant to say <laughs> post post apocalyptic scenario yeah. for sure uh, would be much like the pre one. Um, yeah, well, well, what I would do is um, it would start with a walk because that to me calibrates 
my compass, my um, inner being. You know, I, I have to, early in the morning when it's not too hot out and when the city's kind of waking up, I'm kind of an early riser. So is my dog and uh, who, who is, appears throughout the book and in various photos. He's kind of like the mascot of the book. His name is Porter. Um, Porter and I would go for a walk, probably just right into Griffith Park, maybe discovering some new route that I hadn't been on yet or a new trail. Um, nothing you know, too crazy. I wouldn't even necessarily get 10,000 steps right away because I might want to come back and have breakfast. Um, maybe, maybe we do a, a more intense walk if I've had breakfast first. Um, and that, that goes for maybe you know, an hour or two in the morning. Since it's my perfect day, I'd try to work some tennis in there. That's, that's the kind of the one stab at like uh, real physical activity beyond walking that I do um, with some friends. And there's a lot of tennis courts in the Griffith Park area. And uh, then I would um, start thinking of lunch and maybe go with my kids or my wife to um, a new place we've heard about that we can walk to maybe that's in Los Feliz Village or Atwater Village or someplace nearby. And I'd have to hit a movie in the afternoon maybe at Arclight, Cinerama Dome. There's, you know, the Vista Theater, which is probably my favorite movie theater in LA, and um, try to check out a flick. And then um, if it were nighttime and it was baseball season, maybe hit a Dodger game because I'm also close to Dodger Stadium and um, I love the Dodgers. I wrote a book on the Dodgers. I've, um, they're part of my blood also is Bleeding Dodger Blue. But if it wasn't baseball season, then maybe my wife and I would go to a nice restaurant and uh, then we'd all, we'd come back and maybe uh, watch something on Netflix. And, and there's your perfect day and evening. That sounds like a perfect day. Um, <laughs> you, you know, since you brought it up, I, I, this just came to me. I wanted to ask you, um, you know, it de depends on when a person is listening to this interview. But currently, we're going through this COVID-19 thing that you, that you talked about. What are your tips for walking during this? I, I mean, do you, when you see someone, do you just kind of cross the street? Or do you, or, or is there a place you go where you know there's not going to be a lot of people and you can get your get your steps in yeah I, it's I, I i try to walk within my neighborhood because i'm not doing much driving i'm probably like many other people i'm crossing the street when i see someone and they're doing it to me and i try not to feel offended um <laughs> it's a weird feeling right it really is and um but yeah so i i generally am staying within the neighborhood uh i did there are some places from my book that I remember that really brought me peace and where I wanted to do some writing the other day, I decided to drive out to this park like deep in the valley that had these great little footbridges and a lot of trees. And I went out there, it was just like two days ago, it was like in Granada Hills. And it gave me a chance to just get in my car and have my own kind of moment in the car. So listening to a podcast and just a lot of silence and just drove to the spot and just pulled out my laptop top and I wrote in this park and it's nice to know that you, we can still go to those places. I'm sure they're encouraging that we stay near home, um, which is what I'm trying to do. Um, but that's what I would recommend. If there's a, a place that you know is serene for you, where you can kind of, I don't know, just have that moment of self-reflection, which I think is so important right now, you can seek those out. And, um, and I know you've even had that on your podcast, people pointing out those places that, that's a way to also get some walks in too. And, and also there are many urban routes, as I said earlier, that you could still do as long as we're allowed to do this that are within the book. Yeah. I was going to say that that might be another reason why your book comes especially handy at this moment, because I've noticed that as well is that 
people generally all go to the same spot. I mean, there's yeah. so many spots you can go to. So you're supposed to keep six, at least six feet of distance. But even in my neighborhood, and I've noticed it in all kinds of LA neighborhoods, there's a spot, a park or whatever that it's known for everyone going to it. You go there, it's impossible to avoid people. You go one mm -hmm. or two blocks over, there's no one there, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. I Runyon Canyon is the perfect example of what you just described. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't think, you know, I know they closed it, but before they did, it was very difficult to get uh, any farther than six feet from people because it's so popular. And it's just a scene. It's like nature's version of like the hip bar, you know, the, yeah. the place to go. And you don't need to go to Runyon Canyon. There's other places where you can take in the view of LA and maybe you can't take your dog off leash. That's one nice thing about Runyon. But there are certainly other places if you just know where they are and seek them out. And so hopefully my book gives kind of a roadmap. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, Paul, well, this has been great. I wanted to ask you um, if you wanted to add anything, like if there's something I didn't ask you about your book or about walking in LA that we didn't already talk about um, or that you wanted to add. I think walking in Los Angeles, what I was just kind of alluding to, what, what I've discovered when I first wrote the, uh, the original version in 2015, it was really about exploring the physical elements of the city, including nature. And it was kind of like a physical journey of just getting 10,000 steps. And to me, once I wrote kind of this updated version that came out in 2020, and, and especially with the onset of coronavirus and everyone kind of taking a step back and our lives, you know, settling into this new place that we're in, uh, the idea of doing 10,000 steps has taken on almost more of a spiritual journey. And that in itself is very restorative, I feel, to, to do these walks and to uh, get out and, and try to engage, um, you know, with your community or and just accumulating 10,000 steps. It becomes restorative is really the best word. And so it's, it's taken on a new wrinkle for me to to pursue these routes. And I think that's an element we, that could really help all of us um, just to get to that place that you have that headspace where we were trying to like ease the anxiety in our minds and the anxiousness many of us are feeling. And walking is a great antidote for that. And so it's changed the way I look at these walks and the way I look at walking is it's kind of evolved over the last couple of years. Very well said. It's almost like active meditation. Exactly. All right, Paul. Well, it's been so good having you on. It's been a great conversation. Um, where is the best place for people to go if they, you mentioned that you've written a few books, including one about the Dodgers. Where's the best place to go where people can find all that information? Well, I would direct people to, if you want to check out the books I've written, paulhadadbooks.com. Uh, it's a website. It will kind of direct you to them. I'm on Twitter. I think I'm under LA dork because <laughs> um, I dork out on LA. And so I, I'm always posting things on there. But um, in general, you can just go to any bookstore, um, you know, when they're open. Vroman's, I've done book events at Vroman's, uh, Barnes and Noble, um, smaller ones like Stories. Skylight's a great place. I would always encourage trying to patronize the indie bookstores, but it, it's certainly available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble sites as well. All right, cool, Paul. I love those bookstores as well. All right, we'll put some links to the books where people can find them directly. And thank you so much for coming on. And we'll have to have you on again soon because I feel like we have a bunch of different topics we can tackle. Totally, Stefan. It was really my pleasure. And, and I love what you're doing. 
All right. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you again soon, Paul. Sounds good. All Thanks. Right, Hey, what's going on guys? So how cool was that interview, huh? If you're a true LA hacker, then I know you probably enjoyed it. I feel like Paul could teach a master's class on getting to know Los Angeles, and I really enjoyed having him on. I think we're gonna have to do it again on a different LA subject. All right, so here's my special walking in LA hack. I think Paul gave us some really, really good tips on getting your 10,000 steps in, the best areas to check out, and his book seems to cover the subject really, really well. So. I'm going to have to go in a different direction instead of a certain area or neighborhood to, to take your walk. I'm going to go with a special event and it's called the Sunset Walk and Talk and it happens at the Griffith Park Observatory. So as you know, Griffith Park Observatory is one of the most beautiful places in Los Angeles. You can see the night sky, you've got the observatory and you've got these trails and hikes right there. One of the most beautiful places you can take a walk in LA but they have this special thing it's i think it's on the first wednesday of every month it's called sunset walk and talk and basically what it is is it's a sunset hike led by a park ranger and a museum guide and you meet up the observatory's west terrace and then once the group gets together you go up charlie turner charlie turner trail to the berlin forest on the hill just north of the observatory and then you come back to the west terrace when it's over so the distance is only about a half a mile and it takes about an hour super moderate pace to the hike and they have a lot of stops along the way where the uh the park ranger and the museum guide can highlight some of the history of uh, griffith park and the observatory and it's just a really cool thing like i said it's not something you do all the time but you definitely want to check it off your la bucket list that's the sunset walk and talk with this whole uh, COVID thing going on, I'm sure it's going to be canceled for the next few months, but you can just Google it, Griffith Observatory Sunset Walk and Talk, and once this thing is over, they'll get back to their once a month schedule. Definitely want to check it off your list. All right, so that's all I got for you this week. I'm going to put the links to Paul and where you can find him and his books in the show notes, so make sure you check that out and support him and all the amazing work he's doing writing about L.A., as always, if you want to do me a favor, you can hit that subscribe button so you don't miss out on our quality time together. And that's all I got for you. I'll see you next week. All right, guys, take care.